Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. God's house this morning. Uh, it's, it, we're excited to be in part two of the series entitled You Asked For It. Uh, so back on Easter Sunday, we sent out a survey. And with that survey, there were two questions. Uh, one was, hey, when Radiant Life Church plants its next campus, not if, but when, right? Because it's coming. Uh, where, where, hey, if you, if you, you're like, hey, where would you like to see it? And so we got some questions answered there. And then also, hey, if there was something that you were like, hey, if, if someone could help me, if, if there could be a teaching on, if there was a preaching, what questions would you like to see answered? And so we came up, uh, we looked at over 80 submissions and we went through that and we grouped them together because a lot of them, you know, could be done that way. And uh, so Pastor Angel talked last week, man, didn't she do a phenomenal job last week preaching about passion? Come on, how do we keep that, that zeal, that passion in our lives for everyday living? Not just like, you know, think about like roller coaster Christianity. Like I show up on a Sunday, yeah, I love Jesus. And then something happens on Monday and you're like, nah, not so much, right? And so how do we keep that passion and that zeal for everyday living? And then next week, Pastor Anthony is going to be throwing it down. He's excited. Uh, but some of the things that you asked about, we're, we've done teachings on for Wednesday nights. And then for 2024, we'll have some sermons and some teachings as well. And so we narrowed this down to three questions from 80 to three. And uh, today, we're going to be looking at suffering, suffering, lots of questions on suffering. And some of you are like, shouldn't have showed up today. Let's, let's turn around. Let's go back into worship. Let's not talk about suffering. And, uh, but that's where we're headed. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 through 19. It's a lengthy portion of scripture, uh, but let's dive into it. Let's see what the word of God has to say for us. Now, remember, the word of God is our roadmap. It's our guide, right? This is, this is true. Right? So when we read it, even if we disagree with it, because you're like, no, 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 I don't want that for my life, it doesn't make it any less true. It's still true. And we, the word of God doesn't adapt to our thoughts and our truth. We adapt to the word of God because it is true. And so let's look at it this morning in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it is Time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, and what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do what is good. To continue to do what is good. Let me just jump back into the text and look at a few key things that I heard. It tells us to rejoice in sufferings. Rejoice in sufferings. James chapter one, right? Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, for suffering. 
You're like, ah, no, let's, how do you rejoice when you're suffering? It goes on to say, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God. Right? Can you, so if you're suffering, the scripture is telling us to lift up our hands, to lift up our face into worship, to lift up a shout of joy and say, you know what, God, thank you so much for that car breaking down. Glory to you, Lord. I can't wait to suffer for you and your kingdom. But it says, praise God, that what? You bear that name. That name that is above any other name, that name of Christ, praise God. And then it says, when you suffer, commit yourselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. As in, don't give up, don't stop, don't, don't go in the other direction, but continue to do good even in the midst of your suffering. This message may land a little hard today. So this is what I wanna do. I wanna pray for us. And I say for us, because you're gonna hear in a moment. I, how many know, like when I, when I get up here and preach, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself and it happens to be including you as well. So let's pray. Jesus, we need you. We need you today to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds. God, help the words from your word be alive. God, if today I know, I just know that there are friends like me who may be walking through a difficult season, a difficult time, and maybe it happened a year ago, two years ago, but there's still a reminder of that suffering, of that pain. God, help us today to have hope in you that there is, pain, there is a purpose for our pain and you are working all things to the good of those that love you. It may not feel good, but God, we know you're able to work it for good. So let us see it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the year was 1998. Some of you are like, wasn't alive. The rest of you, if you, were, if you were in church, you heard this chorus, you heard this song. 1998, Don Moen releases the bump, the jam, because think about it like this. Think about Maverick City, I Thank God. Like, we love that song. Pick me up, you turn me around. Like, that is this song, God is good. That's what that song was. Like you, every church service, the fast song was God and God was good. I'm not gonna sing it for you. That's why Pastor Phil, our worship pastor, is still up here. And so this is what that song would have sounded like in 1998, our Don Moen, right here. Let's hear it. God is good. God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good. All the time Through the darkest night Oh, His light will shine God is good Oh, God is good God is good Oh, God is good All the time I was gonna sing that exactly that way for you this morning. If you heard that little run up, I was like, that's what I was gonna do. Why'd you steal my thunder, Don? Right, like, don't do that. Hey, can you do me a favor? Isn't, isn't Pastor Phil awesome this morning? Come on, he's so good. So we would sing that, that song, like, God is good all the time. Right, we would do that. But here's the question I have for you. Have you ever doubted God is good? Have you ever had doubt? about the goodness of God? Let me, let me word it this way. Have you ever asked why? 
Why, God? Why is this happening to me? And maybe you're like me, and you may have had moments where you've doubted, and you're experiencing something that doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right, and you thought, God, doesn't, God this doesn't really feel good right now. Can I have a vulnerable moment with you? Can I be vulnerable? That was me this past Wednesday. That was me. So I, I've, over the last three months, I've shared a little bit, haven't done much detail, and I'm not going to share a bunch of it today, but I've, I've been to so many doctors, had so much blood work drawn, and I'm like, ah, what is happening with me? Right? It started with something simple. My arms would fall asleep at night. So I would be waking up in the middle of the night like, wake up, wake up, right? And then it was my feet. And then it was going to my legs. And I'm like, something's not right here. So I go to the doctor, they run all these tests, right? And then I, get, I go to a neurologist and they're running all these tests and they're making sure that I actually do have brain activity. Like, and they're doing all these things. And, and then they run this, this, this other test called an EMG, right? They pop, my legs pop in and then they stick needles in and they want to test your muscle. And I'm like, okay. And then at the end of it, they're like, you have polyneuropathy. But we don't know why. Usually the test shows it, but yours does not. And I'm like, so the symptoms continue to progress, right? I'm, I feel my right arm, like even right now, I'm like, wake up. It's like my, my right arm feels like it's about 20% asleep still. I'm like, move, move hand. I feel like I'm getting weakness in my hand. So if you ever want to cause yourself major anxiety and doubt, go to Google. Just go to Google. Google's great for a lot of things. Figuring out what's wrong with you, like you're a medical professional, dumb, right? So over the last three months, because everything's changing and I'm getting new symptoms and I'm like, what is happening? And I don't know what's happening. And then all of the tests are coming back. Well, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, and it's not this. So I'm narrowing it down to what life-threatening disease I now have. And so then they send me to neuromuscular. I'm like, all right, what's neuromuscular focus on? I already told, I was already found out it wasn't MS. They did a brain MRI and nothing there. Okay. So now, so now I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, it's ALS. Like I have every symptom, like I'm getting there. And on Wednesday night, I'm sitting in a church service, a part of the Ohio Ministry Network. And all of a sudden, the symptom that I have never experienced begins to happen. I'm looking at my arm and my arm is like, boom, muscles start just and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Why, why are my muscles moving? Why is it, I'm watching my arm, boom, boom, boom. And I'm not, how many know like, oh, I think I squeeze my hand. I think I squeeze, I'm not thinking anything and my arm is moving. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is the symptom I don't want. I haven't had this one. And so all of a sudden I, I'm literally in a service and I, I feel like I'm going to melt. And I'm like, no, Lord, no, no, no. This, I don't want this to progress. I, I just was told, like, I'm going to be a grandpa, like, 12 weeks ago. Like, this is, like, no, 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 no. So I got I to gotta teach my grandson or my, grand, or my granddaughter, because we don't know yet. I got I to gotta teach them. Like, I got to play sports. That's my thing. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And I won't, I won't have that. And so I literally walk out of the church service, and I'm walking with a smile, and I go outside, and I just begin to weep bitterly. And I sat there and I was like, no, 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 no. Now understand, my wife is amazing. And all throughout this, she said, every time you have a doubt, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say these words, I trust you, Jesus. Amen. And so all throughout this, I'm being Mr. Negative Pants, right? And she's like, no, you just have to say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. And she's like, he's not gonna take you from me because I need you. And I'm like, yeah, but, you, but this may be his plan. 
And so doubt, doubt got the best of me. And worry got the best of me. And I was like, oh. And so Wednesday, okay, I'm sorry, that was Tuesday. Wednesday morning, I had like three doctor's appointments. They took 13 tubes of blood. They ran two more MRIs. And I've been getting all these results. No joke, I meet with a new doctor. I walk in, I start talking to him, and he goes, you've been on Google, haven't you? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about, doc? I don't know, you're, don't talk to me like that. And um, I'm using my phone, not that I'm distracted. I, I wanna bring up something he said. So he goes, don't go to Google. And he says, are you gonna trust me or are you gonna trust Google? He goes, and I, and, I, and I said, well, you know, and he's like, hey, what do you do for a living? Is this hurting you? And I was like, well, I'm a pastor. I said, my wife and I are both pastors. We love, you know, and we're talking. And, and all of a sudden he, he says some things and I was like, that would, that would preach right there. And this is what he says to me. He's like, are you gonna believe me or are you gonna believe Google? And he goes, this isn't ALS. He said, here's what you need to do. You need to feed your faith and starve your doubts. And I was like, yeah, I thought it was really good. At the same time, I was like, don't talk to me like that. I'm the pastor, you're the doctor. Don't, don't inspire me with something like that. That's what I do. But what I, here's, here's what it came down to, okay? They're still running a bunch of, bunch of tests, all right? They were like, what medicine did you take however many months ago? And I told them the medicine. They were like, here's the two things this medicine will cause. Because understand that my li- I went into like almost liver failure, that's what the blood work was all showing. And uh, they were like, causes liver damage and causes polyneuropathy. And I was like, yeah, but the one doctor told me to be like two weeks out of your system. They're like, eh, more like a year. And the symptoms could get worse before they get better. But what I knew in that moment, it was like a weight lifted because all of the serious things that I thought were gonna kill me off <laughs> and the doubt and the worry could just be something as simple as side effects of a medication and they'll go through my body. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what doubt you need to starve this morning to be able to feed your faith. Maybe you lost a job, maybe parents divorced, maybe a spouse was unfaithful and left. Maybe a loved one has passed away. Maybe you've been battling that depression or that addiction Maybe, maybe you look and you see and you're like, I don't understand the suffering of children today. People have been asking the question why for centuries. If God is all knowing, if God is all powerful, if God is everywhere at all times, right? He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. If he's, if he's all of those things, and if God, as we say, is willing and able, then why is there evil? There's a couple of thoughts I need you to lean into today. All right, here they are. God has a purpose for the pain. And I say that, and you're like, that's tough to hear. That's tough to hear. Like, hey, how about, how about I would love to have his purpose without the pain? Right? I would rather experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of living according to the scripture. So I'm good without having the pain. Just show me your purpose. The second thought that I want you to lean into today is the absence of suffering does not add or diminish to his goodness. Right? The, the absence So you're like, I don't have any suffering. That means he's really good in my life. Or I am suffering. That means he's not good. It does not add to or diminish his goodness. As you dive into the word, you see pain and you see evil and you see suffering. In fact, all throughout you see stories where there's anguish and there's suffering and there's pain. 
I'll give you four of them real quick. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He's wailing in grief because of the unrepentant people. And he's like, God, why won't they turn to you? And he's experiencing anguish and suffering. You have David. David is known after man, after God's own heart. But as you read in Psalms, there's moments where he's like, God, why didn't you come to my defense? The enemy's all around me, running after me, trying to take my life. Where are you? Are you even listening? You have John the Baptist. His whole life was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he's calling out and he's preparing the way and he's not even worthy to tie his sandals. Like he's letting everybody know that Jesus is coming. But in the midst of his life, when he is wrongly accused and arrested and faces potential harm and threat, Jesus didn't show up. And we may look and go, why, why didn't he come to his rescue? Why was John the Baptist? And then you fill in that blank. In the Old Testament, so you got New Testament, Old Testament, there's a prophet named Asaph. He, uh, you'll see in Psalms, if you love reading Psalms, he has about 12 Psalms that he has written, Asaph. He was a choir director. He was, he was Phil Warder, right? That's, that's how close to God Asaph was. But in Psalm 73, he's not understanding where God is. And in verse 11 of Psalm 73, this is what he says. What does God know? Right, he says, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while with their riches and watching them multiply. And he asked, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? This is a prophet. He's wondering, where is God? God, why? And so for this series and for this today, the two questions that were asked, we're gonna try to answer them. And the first one was this, if God is loving, then why would he allow suffering? Then why would he allow suffering? It, hear me on this. If love is optional, then adversity is possible. If love is optional, then adversity is possible. If love is an option, if love is a choice, then there also means that adversity, pain, and suffering is a possibility. Because the only way that love is possible is if we have to choose to love. All of us have a free will. All of us have a free will. God has given us a free will to make a choice and with that choice comes the consequences of goodness and the consequences of pain. Because we choose. If we have the ability to love, then we have the ability to hate. If we have the ability to choose what is right, then we have the ability to choose what is wrong. And that's what makes evil and suffering possible is that all of us have a free will to choose what is right and we all have a free will to choose maybe what is wrong. That is the only way that love is possible. He gave us the ability to choose so we would choose him, right? He gave us the ability to choose so we would choose him. He doesn't want a robotic response from us. He wants a relationship with us, right? He doesn't want that like if we were all robots. He, didn't get, he, he takes away free will. He takes away the power for us to choose and we're just robots. Do you know what fills, I, I think about for those of you who are married, married couples, right, right here today. When your spouse does something out of the kindness of their heart and chooses to love you in a way, maybe according to like the five love languages, that's not their love language. What does that do to your love tank? It fills you because they chose you. They chose to be selfless. And when they do that, you're like, I see that love. But if it was just robotic, they had no choice. You're like, well, you're just, it's what you do. You don't have a choice. So love being a choice 
means we can choose it. You see, God is love. He wants us to receive his love, and he wants us to choose to love him back. So we have a choice to receive it, and we have a choice to love him back. He wants to be loved. In order to be loved, then we have to be able to choose love. But here's the challenge for us. In order for us to have the freedom to choose love, then there also has to be a freedom to choose evil. But when we choose evil, there's a consequence for that choice, and the Bible calls it sin. Sin leads to pain and suffering. Leads to pain and suffering. Understand that God created everything that was good. Right? If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, this is what it said. It says, then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was excellent. He saw that it was good in every way. But then you continue to read on in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, and, then, and what you see is his creation, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve had a choice out of all everything in the garden. Like everything in the garden is good. Everything is beautiful. Everything is just amazing. The only thing you cannot do is eat of this tree of knowledge. Just don't eat of this one tree. Every other tree. My family just went and picked apples. Hundreds of apple trees to choose from. But could you imagine there's just one with a rope around it that says, don't pick apples on this tree? Yeah, of course, because there's hundreds to choose from. But in their wisdom, and not God's wisdom, they chose to eat off that tree. And when they did, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, we are born now into that sinful world. And we are bent and we lean with that sinful nature. What is true of them is also true of us today. Sometimes it's our selfish choices that leads us to our largest suffering. Now that's, that's easy. you read it on a screen, you're like, did he just say that? You're blaming me? No, no. Sometimes it's our selfish choices that lead us to our largest suffering. And that's, that's hard, but we have to understand sometimes it is our choice. Right? Sometimes we, we, we understand there's suffering because of, we live in a sinful world. But sometimes the choices of the suffering is because we just made a poor decision. But here's the thing. If God were to remove evil, he would also have to remove the freedom. Or he would have to choose to remove us. And he doesn't want to do that. Because he doesn't want the rocks to have to cry out that he created. He wants his creation that he also created to choose him and to cry out and to worship him. And some people will say, well, if, if you're suffering, that means God doesn't love you. Suffering is not the evidence. It's not the, the, the measurable rod of, oh, if you suffer, he does not love you. That, that's not how that works. How many know that there are people who love you? There are, there are situations, there are choices you make, and you're like, man, I've experienced pain but do you think it was because they didn't love you? If you go to a surgeon and you wake up the next day or the next morning or after that surgery and you're in pain, do you think the surgeon hates you? And some of you are like, yes, no. No, no, they don't. What they know is this temporary pain is because there's something better for you down the road. There's something more for you to experience. They know that this will be a part of the healing process. So temp the pain is temporary for the healing to happen. For those of you who go to, I like, when I go to the chiropractor, I like to call what they do to me torture, okay? So I've told you before, like my hamstrings are really tight. I am not flexible. And then they're like, lay on the table, move your leg. And I'm like all contorted. And I'm like, bro, when you, this hurts. 
My back's all the way out of line. My right hips, he's like, you're about an inch out. And I'm like, oh Lord, here it comes, right? And he's like moving all these things, doing all these things and put all this gun on my spine. And I'm like, ugh. I do not think my friends, when they're doing that and I'm joking, are torturing me. I say it, but what I know is when they're done, I will feel better after the pain. But I don't think he hates me when he's adjusting me. He knows that there's something better to come. There's a deeper reason. There's a deeper understanding. Those of you who have children, when you discipline your children, are you saying you hate them? Some of you are, don't question, like, no. (laughs) Depending on the morning, don't say, like, you haven't been in my house when it's time to get up for school. No, why? You discipline your children because you know that in that moment there is something better for them. You see, the presence of pain is not a lack of love. He loves us. Number two, second question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right, you ever thought that? Like, why do bad things happen to good people? Here's where we gotta lean in for a moment. This is gonna be a little tough. You ready to receive? You ready to listen? Remember, where are we going? We gotta go back to the word. So what does the word say in Romans chapter three, verse 23? It says, for all have sinned and fallen short, the glory of God. That means we've all messed up. The person next to you has gotten it wrong before. The person on the other side of you, they've gotten even more wrong. Like they're really bad. They're really, no, I'm just kidding. But, but the Bible is clear that all of us, according, not according to our standards and our righteousness, but according to the righteousness of Jesus, we all get it wrong. We sin, we've fallen short of the mark of who Jesus is. But you will say, Pastor Lance, I have a good heart. I believe that. However, if anybody ever read Jeremiah 17, 9? Here's what Jeremiah said. This is not me. This is not me telling you. This is me reading scripture. The heart is deceitfully above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It's deceitfully wicked. So it's like, oh, I have a good heart. Well, How many know there are days when your heart is good and maybe there's days when your heart's not so good? Anybody ever had one of those days? I had one of those days. I was talking to Jen, our preschool director, just the other day, and she walked in my office, and we were talking and having a conversation, and, um, and I had one of those moments, had one of those days where I was like, hmm, check your heart. Yes, sir, check your heart, because this is what came out of my mouth. The next time, the next time somebody tells me that life is tough, I'm going to slap them. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to bam. And I was like, yep, heart, check, reel it in. Because I was like, really? Life is tough? There's times when it's like, oh, so tell me, why is life so tough for you? And when they get done, I'm like, that sounds like my Monday. <laughs> right, tough, like, yeah, you know, Pastor, I work 30 hours a week. It's tough. I got responsibilities. Oh, it's tough. Life is tough. There are tough moments. There are tough seasons. There's, there's some real pain that people have walked through. So it was in that moment where I was like, ah, check your heart. Check your heart. By show of hands, let's all be in the same boat together this morning. How many of you ever said something you shouldn't have said? Yeah, you guys are horrible. <laughs> your honesty just shows me what we're dealing with here at Radiant Life Church this morning. How many of you have ever done something you shouldn't have done? Yep. One more for you. Ready? How many of you have ever thought something that you shouldn't have thought? 
Some of you are like, if you're reading my, my mind right now, pastor, you'd be knowing, I wish you would shut up. No, I'm just kidding. But like, here's the thing is, we know that we have said things, we have done things because we are jacked up, messed up, sinful people and all of us have fallen short the standard of God. What that means is none of us are good. So why does bad things happen to good people? None of us, according to the word, unfortunately are good, which means your perfection will not exempt you from pain. Because I wish that was the case. Like, I'm just obeying Jesus every day. Like, Because right? in my moment of doubt just the other day, I was like, Jesus, I gave my life to you. I quit a job for you. I got called. I, I followed you into ministry. I've done what you've said. And I wish, I wish there are times where I was like, man, I could, if I could just confess some type of sin, like this, this is why this is all happening. I can't do that because it's like, I, I. but in the moment, I was like, I was trying to justify what I've done to exempt from the pain I was experiencing. Your perfection will not exempt you from pain. According to scripture, again, go to scripture, according to scripture, bad only happened to someone good one time and Jesus volunteered for it. That's it. The innocent who had never done anything wrong took on the punishment of our sin he is the only one who is good and he suffered for us. He was rejected by his closest friends. They fell asleep when he needed them the most. The people who celebrated him on Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, are the same people who said crucify and release Barabbas. He was falsely accused. He's done nothing wrong. He's in prison. He is flogged. He is tortured. He is stripped naked. He's hung on a cross in shame. And why? For us. For us, because in that moment, he took on the sin of the world. He became sin for the one who knew no sin that we could experience the righteousness and the love of God. But in Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Where are you? And we could look at that and say, why? I can't tell you the answer to why when you ask it in your life. But what I can tell you is not because God doesn't love you. Because here's what he did in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He took suffering, your suffering, so seriously that he would give his life for it. That's what he did. Why? Because he knew just like the chiropractor, just like the surgeon, just like us as parents know that there is something better, God knew that there was something better and he would send his son to suffer and die for us. He knew that sometimes it takes hurt to experience a healing. It does. Sometimes it takes a loss to understand the power of victory. Pastor Angel, she shared this one with me, so I'm gonna give her the credit because it's so good. It's probably the best thing I'm gonna say all day and it's all her. Victory isn't the absence of problems, it's a one more. Right? It's not the, the war has been won, but we will still experience battles. But we can go back to the fact that he has never lost. His track record speaks for itself. Everywhere you turn in scripture, victory, 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 victory. When we sing songs of victory, it is not to remind him how victorious it is. It's to remind ourselves how victorious he is. The Bible doesn't say you won't have hard times. The Bible doesn't say that you'll never hurt. 
I wish, I wish it does. I wish it did. I wish I could tell you, if you give your life to Jesus, you'll never experience pain again. But I can't. The Bible does say that we will suffer. The Bible does say that one day all will perish. The Bible does also say that one day we will rise for those who choose to choose according to our free will to surrender our life to Jesus. I'm not minimizing the pain or the suffering here at Radiant Life Church. If you knew the stories of the people in this room or watching online right now, you would know they're real. They're real. There are cancers. There are diagnoses. There is loss of loved ones. I'm not minimizing it. That pain and that suffering. There's financial crisis. There's struggles with addictions. And we may not know on this side of eternity why, but just slow down for one second with me. Can you gain some perspective? If you look at life through a snapshot, right? Just one quick, when something seems unfair in a moment, right? Click of a button. You may come to the determination that God is not good. But sometimes we have to peel back from the perspective that we have in a moment of a snapshot and look through the lens of a lifetime. Here's what I mean by that. If you were present the day that Jesus took his final breath on the cross and you took a picture, you took a snapshot, do you know what you would be determining in that moment? It's over. It's finished. There's no hope. Right? He said, but, he's, but he's, he just died. And now he's gone. And so now I'm hopeless. You're looking at it through a snapshot. But three days later, we don't have to even wait a lifetime. Three days later, right, the perspective changes because he has risen from the dead. He defeats death. He defeats hell. He defeats grave. That loss that we would say, that's a loss. He was defeated. No, 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 no. The moment said he lost. The lifetime says we've never experienced a greater victory. And so there is victory available for us. So don't look at it in the snapshot. Look at it through the lens of a lifetime. Because if you walk with Jesus over a lifetime, you'll see his faithfulness. You will. You remember Asaph, the prophet we talked about? The guy who thought, hey, this is all bad. He doesn't even want to wake up. He says things out loud that we don't want to say. <laughs> Somebody will judge me if I said those things. To Asaph. But here's the thing. He's saying, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Have I troubled all day long? Psalm 73, because here's the thing with, with, with context of scripture. We could just think Asaph was, he was questioning God. That's all he did. No, 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 no. You keep continuing on in the text in Psalm 73, verse 16 and 17. And then verse 26, this is what it says. When I tried to understand all this, when I tried to figure it out in my finite mind, I was, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. I was messed up, I was questioning, and I was wondering, and I was thinking, God, do you even understand? But when I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny, the wicked, the foes. I understood, in verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but my God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There was a question in the pain, in the suffering, but it led to the presence in the sanctuary do you know where you're at this morning? Do you know where you're at this morning? Until I got into the presence, until I experienced his goodness, I didn't understand it. But when I entered that sanctuary 
Here's what it lets me know. In the midst of the pain, you push into his presence. That's what we're gonna do for just a moment. The worship team is gonna come as we wrap it up today. I'm gonna give you one more verse and I'm gonna read this last verse and you're gonna go, would you stop with the suffering? But here's the deal. We're gonna read a verse that lets us know we're gonna suffer. But more importantly, it lets us know there's hope. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I've told you this. I've said this so you could experience peace. In this world, you may, you possibly, in this world, you will have trouble. But here's the hope. Here's the hope. Here's the hope that we have. But take heart, I, Jesus, not you, not your situation, not your trial, but he has overcome the world. So in the midst of suffering, we lean into the person of Jesus because that's where our hope comes from. As we close today, I'm just going to ask you for just a moment, would you close your eyes? And, you, and, and I know you're like, is this because you're, you, this isn't a trick moment when I say close your eyes. This is just a moment for you to eliminate distractions, focus, and just listen, right? It's great sometimes when we just pause long enough to listen. I was vulnerable with you this morning about what a thought came through my mind and the doubt in a moment. And if you're here suffering right now, you're here hurting, what I want you to know is there's hope and his name is Jesus. What may feel like the worst thing in your life, and it may be the worst thing in your life, there could come a moment, could be a day, could be a week, could be a month, it could be years later, that you look back at the worst thing that has happened to you and you would say and you would admit, I would never want anyone else to experience the pain that I have experienced and I wouldn't want to go through it again. But if you were honest, you would say, but in the midst of that experience, in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that trial, the presence of God got me through it and somehow God used it for his good. So if you're hurting, if you are wondering where God is, just remember you are living in the not there yet moment. He has something greater. He has something better for you. The good news is by his grace, by his power, by his goodness, something better is coming because God is good. So this morning I've asked the worship team to join me because just like Asaph, when he says, until, until I got into the presence, until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I felt his goodness, until I experienced all that God had for me, I was missing it. But when I came into his presence, everything changed. When we put ourselves in the proximity of his presence, power is unleashed. So we're not gonna minimize the suffering. We're not gonna minimize the pain, the anguish that you're experiencing. But in, our, in 1 Peter, what did it tell us? That in the midst of it, when there is, count it all joy, when there is problems, when there is suffering, when you feel like things aren't going the way that you want, count it all joy, lift up your hands and lift up the name of Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna do as we close today. Maybe you're not in that season of suffering, but maybe you are. Regardless, he's our hope. 
So here's what we're, I'm gonna ask you to do in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna ask you to lift, lift your hands and lift your, and there's a reason I'm gonna ask you to open up your mouth. The, the reason is because when we lift up our hands, what we're saying is, God, I surrender my will to you. I'm here for you. I'm not here for me, I'm here for you. And when we begin to sing words like, in the waiting, in the giants we face, in the mountains, in the things that are in front of us that are so huge, through the breaking, he is making a way. So what do we do in the midst of that breaking? What do we do in the midst of that suffering? We rise up with our weary souls because our King, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ breathes miracles. And so we believe that He is here and every battle is won. So whatever the battle may be, if you're here this morning and you're able, would you stand to your feet? Would you lift up your voice? And would you begin to sing knowing that He's making a way when there seems to be no way? That in this place, let's rejoice in the Lord for His goodness. Oh.